Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The birth of Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In the first verse, he's telling us, Matthew the Apostle, one of the twelve apostles or disciples of Christ, he's writing this book to tell us about the genealogy or the uh, the ancestry of Jesus Christ, who was his father and grandfather and great-grandfather, so forth, all the way back. And he goes back to two main fathers or grandfathers of Christ. First one is David, the son of David. And in the Bible, they say son of David when they mean grandson or great-grandson or great-great-grandson. It's the context that tells us whether we're talking about the immediate father or some grandfather, okay? So here he's called the son of David. Who was David? A thousand years before Jesus was born into the world, David was a king. And God made promises to David and told David that one of his descendants, that means one of his great-great-grandsons, one of them would be Jesus Christ, and he would come into the world born through the lineage or the genealogy of David and that he would die on the cross, rise from the dead and be a king forever and ever. Be a king. Just like David was a king, Jesus would be a king. This is first explained in the book of Second Samuel chapter 7. God made these promises to David. But he's also called the son of Abraham in verse 1. Abraham, that's another name that the Bible mentions frequently. Abraham is important because he is the perfect model of faith. He becomes the best example of faith. And Abraham lived 1,000 years before David, which means Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus was born into the world. And all of this took place so if Abraham lived 2,000 years before Christ, Abraham lived 4,000 years from our time. He lived 4,000 years ago, and David lived 3,000 years ago. And we think George Washington lived a long time ago. He did, but only about 225 years ago, or 250 years ago. That's how far back George Washington lived. But these men lived many more years before that. Well, they are mentioned because Abraham received promises that his descendant, one of his great, great, so forth, grandsons would be Jesus Christ. And then from Abraham, it went on to David. And then the promise was given to David that David's son would be an eternal king. So Abraham's son would be the savior of the world. And David's son was to be the king the eternal king, king of kings and lord of lords. That's why these two names are mentioned right here. So all of this is in the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. From Genesis to Malachi, all of these promises are mentioned there in those books, hundreds and even thousands of years before it actually happened with Jesus coming into the world. Why is that important? It's important to show that the Bible is divine. It's from God. It's miraculous. Okay? 
The Bible is supernatural, and in that way, it gives us confidence that the Bible is true, that we should believe it, and that what we believe is not a fairy tale, and what we believe is not mythology. What we, we believe was not invented by religious fanatics. No, it came from God, because only God can make numerous promises about the future and make sure that those promises happen just the way he promised. Only God can do that, right? No man can do that because man doesn't live for many, many hundreds of years or thousands of years. We don't live that long. We can't control the future, but God does control the future. So then, between Abraham and David, there were some descendants, and they are mentioned here. Verse 2 says, Matthew 1, verse 2, To Abraham was born Isaac, and to Isaac Jacob, and to Jacob Judah and his brothers. Okay, first here. Abraham had one son from his wife Sarah, which we can read about in Genesis. Genesis chapters 12 to 25, that Abraham had a wife named Sarah. And they only had one son, one child, whose name was Isaac. And then Isaac, he had a wife, and they had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Jacob is mentioned here because he is in the lineage or the line of Jesus, and because he was a man of faith. So then Jacob, the son of Isaac, he had 12 sons and some daughters. He had 12 sons and daughters, Jacob did. But among the sons of Jacob, God chose one son named Judah to be the one to receive the promise of Christ. It would be through him, not the other 11 sons, that Jesus would have him, Judah, as his forefather. Judah, the forefather of Christ. That's why it says Judah and his brothers, the 11 brothers. And then Judah. Now we'll see it goes from Judah to David. Okay? From Judah to David. About 1800 B.C. to 1000 B.C. So these names, these men, they lived in this 800-year period. Okay? Um, and, and many others did, but these are the main ones that lived. It says in verse 3, And to Judah was born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron Ram, and to Ram was born Aminadab, and to Aminadab Nashon, and to Nashon Salmon, and to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab, and to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth, and to Obed Jesse, and to Jesse was born David the king. There we have all these names from Judah to David. Those are the two most important names, Judah all the way to David. Now, notice that in this part, there are a few women mentioned. Right there in verse 3, Tamar is mentioned. And then in verse 5, we have Rahab mentioned. And then in verse 5, we also have Ruth. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. And then in verse 6, which we did not read yet at the second part of verse 6. And to David was born Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And 
Her name isn't mentioned, but the name is Bathsheba or Bathsheba. Okay, she was the wife of David, and she bore Solomon. Solomon was her son. Now, the, this is important because there are some people who say that the Bible doesn't care about women. The Bible hates women. It, women are unimportant, but that's not true. Here, it's showing how these women had the privilege of being ancestresses of Christ, right? They were. And especially if you think of uh, Rahab and Ruth, Rahab and Ruth, they were foreigners. They were not Jewish, but they were foreigners. Rahab was from the land of Canaan, and Ruth was from the land of Moab. So these two women were um, ancestors of Christ, foreigners. And why were they? Why were they privileged to have that position? Because they had faith. They believed in the coming of Christ. They believed that Jesus would eventually come into the world and die for their sins and rise from the dead. They believed it. Even though they were foreign women, they believed. Because they heard it, and when they heard, they believed. All right, then verse six, verse six, and to Jesse was born David the king. Remember we said David was a king? David the king because God made promises to David that his son would be the eternal king. His, he would have a kingdom that would never end. And in verse six, and to David was born Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Now, David married Bathsheba um, in, a, in a bad way and a wrong way. And it, it was through sin that he married her. But still, God chose this marriage to be the way that Solomon would be born and Solomon would be also an ancestor of Christ. Just as God did with, with uh, Rahab and Ruth, God also did with David and Bathsheba. He took sin or sinful people and changed them and gave them the privilege, the status of being in the line of Christ. God's in the business of doing that. He does that to all of us. He takes people who are nobodies, who are sinful, who are obscure, Often, mostly, we are obscure people. Nobody knows who we are. So, very few people know who we are, is what I mean. So, because of that, God still, He saves us, and He gives us eternal life, forgiveness of sins, Jesus' birth in the world. We believe in it. We know why He came, and we're saved. And these are examples of it right here. Okay, now, now we have uh, another set of names we have another set of names from Solomon, from Solomon to the time of Josiah. And this is important because from the time of Solomon, Solomon had a very peaceful and a very wealthy kingdom. A very peaceful and wealthy kingdom. Everything was going fine, almost everything was going fine for the nation of Israel for 40 years. And Yet, God did not intend for that to last forever. Because of the sins of the people, God kept warning them, 
if you don't repent of your sins, I'm going to destroy this temple that Solomon has built, and I'm also going to destroy this city of Jerusalem. I'm also going to destroy your whole country. I'm going to let foreigners come in and attack you, and they will, they will massacre many of you. They'll pillage, they'll rape, they'll do all kinds of things against you, and then they will take some of you away into their own country, into their own empire, their own kingdom, and make you slaves over there because of your sin. So don't trust in any one king. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't trust in your own wisdom. Don't trust in your own power, your own military power. Don't trust in that. Trust in God. But they didn't. And let's see. Notice it says... In verse 7, And to Solomon was born Rehoboam, and to Rehoboam, Abijah, and to Abijah, Asa, and to Asa was born Jehoshaphat, and to Jehoshaphat, Joram, and to Joram, Uzziah, and to Uzziah was born Jotham, and to Jotham, Ahaz, and to Ahaz, Hezekiah, and to Hezekiah was born Manasseh, and to Manasseh, Ammon, and to Ammon, Josiah, and to Josiah was born Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. At the, so Jeconiah and his brothers were born at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Deportation means the Babylonian Empire came to Judah, destroyed the country, as I just mentioned. The, he dis, uh, the king at the time was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful king, and he brought his army to Judah, destroyed the country, took away the kingship, uh, destroyed the temple, exiled the people, deported them. That's what he did. And he murdered many people also. So this is what happened because of their sin. And this was to teach them not to trust in themselves, but to tr trust in God through Christ. Believe in the coming of Christ. Now, verses 12 to 16. From that time of deportation, which took place in 586 B.C., the main devastation took place in 586 B.C. That's when the temple was destroyed. That, that was the main devastation by the Babylonians. From that time to the time of Christ, we have about 586 years. About 580 years, just to round it off. That's the number of years from that deportation until Christ was born into the world. And during this time, the kingdom of Judah that had the promises of a king did not really have a prospering king reigning on the throne in Jerusalem. That basically went away because they constantly were enslaved to foreigners. At this time, it was the Babylonians in verse 11. And then after the Babylonians came, another kingdom rose up called the Persians, the Medes and the Persians. They came and they destroyed the Babylonians. And then after them, the Greek Empire rose up. You may have heard of Alexander the Great. In that time, Alexander and, and others, they defeated, um, they defeated the Persian Empire. And then after the Persians uh, and the Greeks... Then the Romans. The Romans defeated the Greeks. That's why by the time of the New Testament, we hear of Roman officials 
when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, we read of Roman officials there because the Roman people in Italy, modern Italy, the Roman people, they were the ones who conquered this part of the world, the part of the world of the Bible. They conquered it and they enslaved the people and the Jewish people too. So, verses 12 to 16 is a list of names from that time of Babylon, 586 B.C., to the time of Christ. Verse 12. And after the deportation to Babylon, to Jeconiah was born Shealtiel, and to Shealtiel Zerubbabel, and to Zerubbabel was born Abiud, and to Abiud Eliakim, and to Eliakim Azor, and to Azor was born Zadok, and to Zadok Akim, and to Akim Eliud, and to Eliud was born Eliezer, and to Eliezer Mathan, and to Mathan Jacob, and to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. All right, now, with these names going from the time of Babylon till the time of Christ, here is a good place to also say, why are these genealogies here in the Bible? Why is this here? There's another one in Luke chapter 3, another major one in Luke chapter 3. And when we read certain parts of the Old Testament, genealogies are presented. Why are they there? The main reason they are there is to give the lineage from Adam to Noah to Shem to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, Solomon, and all the way down here to Christ. That's the main reason for the genealogies, to give a historical record, a reliable historical record, that this is the line of Christ, that God had planned it. He planned it deliberately from the time of Adam to bring Christ into the world in due time, in his way, through all these many people. That's what's there. It's to show the marvelous, miraculous way that God preserved the Bible and also the gospel in the Bible to provide us the way of salvation in Christ. That's the main reason for the genealogies. And that's what this genealogy has done. It took us from Abraham to Christ. Right? Matthew the Apostle did that. Notice also... It says that this genealogy in verse 16, um, to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary. So this genealogy actually goes from Joseph to Abraham, from Abraham to Joseph. Joseph was not the natural father of Jesus. He was the legal father of Jesus because he and Mary became husband and wife, right? He was the legal father of of Jesus, not the natural father of Jesus. We will see that in a moment. He was not the literal natural father of Jesus. He was the legal father of Jesus. What's that? Is that the same way of saying uh, he was his earthly yeah, father? Yeah, his earthly father. Yes. Yes. Well, of course, Jesus had the heavenly father because father, son, and spirit. But that relationship between Jesus the Son and the Father in heaven is not any physical relationship. It's not any temporal relationship. It's not as though God the Father first existed and then he 
somehow created Jesus or gave birth to Jesus or begat Jesus. That's not the way it is. In the Bible, when it's speaking of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, it's speaking of their personhood and their relationship. But it's not speaking of their existence as though one existed first and then he created the other one and then the second one created the third one. It's not, not talking about a created order. It's talking about their identity, who they are. That's why those names are there. Because God himself, John 4, 24, does not have uh, flesh and bones. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit. God is spirit. And in Luke 24, 39, Jesus said, Handle me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. A spirit does not have flesh and bones that you see that I have. So the definition of a spirit, one of the ways to describe spirit is it is non-physical, unphysical. It does not have flesh and bones. Spirits do not have flesh and bones. It's, uh, to compare spirits would be similar to comparing it a spirit to air or wind. Wind or air does not have flesh and bones. But that, that is the same way as spirit. So spirit in contrast to flesh. Flesh has physicality. Spirit does not have physicality. There's nothing physical with spirit. So that's the way God is in his nature. The Father's that way, the Son is that way, and the Spirit is that way, Spirit. But Jesus Christ, born into the world, took upon a human body, flesh and bones, okay? Now, in verse 16, one thing that we'll need to notice, or a couple of things we'll need to notice is, it says, by whom was born Jesus? Now, so far, we've been learning mostly about the names of men in the ancestry of Christ, right? But here, when it says, by whom was born Jesus, in the original Greek language of the, of the book of Matthew, the by whom in the Greek language, they distinguish masculine and feminine when they say by whom. They distinguish masculine and feminine. And this by whom in the Greek language refers to Mary, not Joseph, because it's feminine. By whom in Greek is feminine, and that means Matthew means by whom is Mary, not Joseph. So Joseph was not the literal natural father of Jesus. Mary was the literal natural mother of Jesus, by whom was born Jesus. That's important to note. Furthermore, it says, Jesus who is called Christ. These are two of his main names, Jesus and Christ. That's why chapter one, verse one says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The two came to be used together, Jesus Christ. Jesus means the Lord is salvation. Christ means anointed one. And it is the word that is sometimes used interchangeably with the word Messiah. Messiah or Christ. Christ or Messiah. Both words mean the same thing and are in reference to Jesus. 
the one who would be anointed by God in order to carry out the work of God for the people of God. That's what anointed one means. Anointed to do God's work, God's will. That's why he's called Jesus Christ. Verse 17, he summarizes by saying, Therefore all the generations from Adam to David were are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the time of Christ, 14 generations. 14 generations going back to father and grandfather, all the way back. And in these, in this way in which he has explained it, there's 14 generations in these three main periods giving us an idea of the length of time and also uh, the providence of God working out these main events 14 generations at, at a time. Now, 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. The birth happened this way. Now we had just have the history of it, of the genealogy, now we have the actual events immediately surrounding his birth. How did it happen? When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. His mother was betrothed to Joseph. She was engaged to Joseph. When she was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, he means as husband and wife come together, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, which means it's a miracle. The Holy Spirit of God produced a child in Mary before she even had come together with her husband. They were engaged and they didn't do anything wrong before they got married. They didn't have uh, sexual relations before they were married. They didn't do anything wrong like that. That's why he says before they came together. They were engaged. They did not come together. But then she found herself to be with child by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is God, right? And God is spirit. Even his name, Holy Spirit, means he is spirit. So there's nothing physical happening even between God and Mary. Nothing physical that way. So verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. Okay. 19 says Joseph, her husband. The Bible calls Joseph, her husband, even though they are engaged, because legally, according to the biblical pattern, legally, based on the Old Testament, legally, when the man and the woman were engaged, they were legally husband and wife, even before they came together as husband and wife. So that if they were to break that engagement, they would have to go through the legal process to break that engagement. They just couldn't on a whim, say, okay, I'm not going to be engaged to you anymore. They couldn't just do that. It was a legal transaction, so it was more solemn and serious. 
Okay? So that's why it calls her, Matthew 119 um, calls him her husband, Joseph, her husband. Now, her husband was a righteous man. He followed the ways of the Lord. He was not a worldly man. He was not um, uh, uh, just a, a, a reprobate, a wicked man doing whatever he wanted. He was righteous. He wanted to please God. And he did not want to disgrace her. You see, he had not known up to this point why Mary was pregnant. If we were to read in Luke chapters 1 and 2, we know that Mary was told in advance of her becoming pregnant that she would be pregnant. An angel told her, Gabriel told her that that was going to happen. But presumably, Joseph had not heard either the word from Mary or he had not had a revelation from God to say, no, no, this is okay, Joseph. It's not that Mary did something wrong. No, she didn't do anything wrong. So he didn't want to disgrace her, so he desired to put her away secretly. That is, I don't want to make a public spectacle of divorcing you, so I'll just do it quietly so that there won't be any shame and disgrace on you, Mary. That's the kind of man he was. He cared for her in that way. But God prevented it by the intervention of an angel. Verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel of the Lord tells her, uh, tells him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. Notice he's also called son of David because his ancestor was David. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to do this. Don't think that something wrong has happened. Nothing wrong has happened. And don't be concerned about disgrace or anything like that. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She has a child because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does miracles, and he produced a miracle in Mary. And not only that, verse 21 says, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. She will bear a son. His name will be called Jesus. Why Jesus? It's not evident in English because we don't know Hebrew. Most of us don't know Hebrew. But this name Jesus comes from the Hebrew language. Then it went into the Greek language. And then it went into the Latin language. And then it comes to us into English. So through all that, we don't know what Jesus means. But here he says... For he's called Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus in the Hebrew language, it's pronounced differently, but there in the Hebrew language, it means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. And that's why it says, he, the Lord, will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save his people. 
from sin. He's not going to save everybody. He's going to save his people. He will save his people from their sins. So how do we become a part of his people? From other scriptures we learn, such as Acts 13, 48. We become his people, his believers, in this way. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Those who were appointed to eternal life, they believed the gospel they heard. Which means that if God did not appoint any of the people who heard, or some of the people who heard, to receive eternal life, they did not believe. That's how they became his people, and that's how they were saved from their sins. Why did Jesus come into the world? Matthew one twenty one explains. It is he who will save his people from their sins. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. He, Jesus, had no sin. There was no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Jesus was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was spotless. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he was this way. But he did come to save us from our own sins. Because Jesus was perfect, he did not deserve to die. But he did die. And then for whose sake did he die? For our sake, if we believe in him. If we believe in him, then we will escape the penalty of eternal death. If we believe in him. That's why it's necessary to understand our own sins and our own need to be forgiven of sins. If we don't understand our own sins and the need to be forgiven in Christ, then we're not saved. Because this is the reason he came. He will save his people from their sins. Therefore, we must know about our sins, repent of our sins, believe Jesus died for our sins, to be saved from our sins and become his people. All right, now 22. Did all of this happen by accident? No, we've already said it was not by accident. Now here Matthew will confirm it. Verse 22. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. All this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, which means it was spoken or this took place on purpose because God spoke through the prophet in order to fulfill it in due time. And the prophet he has in mind is Isaiah. He quotes in the next verse, he quotes Isaiah 7.14. The prophet Isaiah was inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, to make prophecies or predictions, promises of the future, to be fulfilled in the plan of God in due time. And that's what he said in Isaiah seven fourteen. 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel also is a Hebrew word. Um, the first part, Imanu, means with us, and El means God. So God with us. God with us. So this is another name for Jesus. This is not the name that becomes the common name of Jesus, Emmanuel, but it is one of his names. And he has many names. Jesus has many names. He's called the light. He's called the door. He's called the good shepherd. He's called many names. Emmanuel is one of them. But his main names are Jesus Christ. Further, verse 24. Oh, by the way, verse 23. I, verse 23 says, God with us. Us is us, that is people, right? And who is with us? God. This verse teaches us that Christ, Jesus, is God among us, God with us. This passage teaches that Jesus is not a mere man. It's, he is not a mere prophet. He's not a mere teacher or a mere good teacher. Jesus is not even an angel. He's not a created angel. He is God with us. Verse 24. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife. Notice there, the righteousness of Job. I'm sorry, the righteousness of Joseph. The righteousness of Joseph. He arose from his sleep. This is common in the Old Testament. When dreams occur, when, when the saints of the Old Testament receive these dreams, the next thing that's said often of them is that they arose early in the morning and did according to whatever God said in the dream. They rose up early in the morning and did it exactly as God said. Here, as the angel of the Lord commanded him, a command was issued by the angel of the Lord and Joseph obeyed with diligence and took her as his wife, which means he finally married her. Not only did he go through the betrothal, the engagement, but he also married her. But he waited. Notice 25. And kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So he married her. The wedding ceremony took place. He married her. So that time actually occurred. But because she was pregnant with Jesus, he did not come together with her. He kept her a virgin until she gave birth to Jesus. And as the, the angels said, they obeyed, they called him Jesus. This is the way Jesus was born. And why was it necessary for him to be born this way? Why was it necessary? Because the, the seed, the sinful seed of man uh, from Adam, it, it goes through... Adam and Eve, it goes through all of their descendants, right? So in order for Jesus not to be born with the taint of sin, with the corruption of sin, he was born miraculously like this, by the Holy Spirit. 
The body of Mary is the vehicle for Jesus to be born into the world. The conception was granted to her miraculously by the Holy Spirit. She conceived him and he, he was born through her. So his human nature is through her in that way. By the Spirit, performing a miracle in her, performing this conception. And then why was it necessary for Joseph to keep her a virgin until he was born? In order to avoid any mistake, any confusion by anybody, he kept her a virgin until Jesus was born. So that nobody could say, no, 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 Jesus was actually the real, literal, natural son of Joseph. No, that didn't happen. First, he was born, and then they came together as husband and wife do. That's important. This is the reason why Jesus was born this way, to ensure that he would be sinless and that he would be a perfect savior for us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.